Well, I wonder how often you pay attention to the news. I think for most of us, during the last two years of COVID, we were probably more up to date with the news than at any other point in our lives. Day after day after day, we wait for Gladys at 11am to tell us the latest case numbers or what restrictions are being imposed or taken away. But why were we feeling the extra need to check the news, do you think? Well, I think it was because we were all feeling extra stressed and worried about what was happening in our world. Are we allowed to drive to Wollongong today? Can I go for a walk with my friend and not catch COVID? The last two years were the most uncertain times in recent memory. But the uncertainty of our world hasn't really died down that much since we've seemingly put COVID somewhat behind us. Just this year, record-breaking floods have destroyed towns and claimed lives. There's genocide being committed in Myanmar, there's religious persecution in North Africa, and the, the conflict in Ukraine drags on. People are getting sick for weeks at a time with the flu. And just a few days ago, there was this threat of a power blackout in Sydney. Now more than ever, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Like in 2019, who could have seen COVID coming? Who would have thought that it was possible for it to be illegal to drive to Shell Harbour? The uncertainty of our world is never-ending. And as we keep stumbling on to the next unknown obstacle in our lives, do we just say, oh, she'll be right, mate, and put our heads down and keep going? Or is there a possibility of maybe finding certainty, a real hope in something better? Well, I think we should take a look at a song that was written 3,000 years ago by Israel's King David, Psalm 62. And David was convinced that he had found real, lasting hope. So was he kind of contentedly deluded in this hope or was it actually real? Was it legit? Ponder those questions as we listen to the words of Psalm 62. And I'm going to read out the whole thing because it's a, it's a poem and we'll read it all at once. So have a listen. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honour come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the centre of your life. God has spoken plainly 
and I have heard it many times, power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. And now to get the best understanding of any psalm, as Jody said a couple of months ago when he preached on Psalm 47, we need to look back, we need to look back and we need to look forward. Look back, look back and look forward. Look back to the time that the psalm was first written. What did it mean for David? Then we need to look back to the first Easter and ask, how does Jesus' death and resurrection fulfil this psalm? And then we need to look forward to the return of Jesus. How do we live out what this passage is saying as we wait for his return? Well, let's get into it. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. I don't know if you noticed as we read through the whole thing, but did you notice that verses 5 and 6 are nearly the exact same as those verses? Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. It's almost a word-for-word repetition of verses 1 and 2. So why would David repeat himself in such a short space of time? Well, repetition in the Old Testament poetry helped emphasise the message. And David was emphasising his confidence and his assurance in the Lord. Now, is David saying he's confident in God because things are all nice and and rosy for him? Let's have a look at verse 3 and 4 again. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face. They curse me in their hearts. Nice and rosy? Don't think so. In fact, David states his confidence before and after acknowledging that his enemies were trying to kill him and trying to slander him behind his back. And a more literal translation of verse 3 asks the rhetorical question of, how long will you attack me? There's a real tone of weariness. David is weary and he's aware of the very real dangers surrounding him. Yet he waits quietly before God, confident that his maker is going to look after him. David's okay with things being out of his control because God alone is his rock and his salvation. He trusts that God alone is his rock and his salvation. Now, I wonder, do you find it easy to have that same quiet trust in God that David did? Are you okay with things being out of your control? Do you believe that God is your rock and salvation? Now, I really hope that you don't have many enemies trying to kill you like David, but sometimes life can just feel like every day is just one of those days. And when life is like that, our job isn't to tighten our grip and increase our control. Our job isn't to worry or to stress more, but rather to trust in God as our rock and our fortress. 
And as a Christian, you can rest easy about things outside of your control because God is sovereign, He's all-powerful over everything. But what if you're not yet a follower of Jesus? Do you feel a lack of control in the world? Maybe as we read these words, could it be time for you to hand control of your life over to Jesus? Because His sovereignty allows us to experience true comfort and rest in Him. God's sovereignty allows us to experience true comfort and rest in Him. In verse 7, you'll notice that God is our deliverer, not ourselves or anything else. The ESV translates verse 7 really beautifully. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Salvation and glory have nothing to do with our own efforts, but are totally due to God alone. It's not mostly God and a little bit us. God alone is our sure refuge in the storm, our hope of salvation and glory. And so in verse 8, David shows us the right and proper response to God's grace. Oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. Now, up until this verse, David has been sharing personal reflections. There's a lot of I and, and me and my language, but this verse is addressed to God's people, pleading with them to trust in God and to find in Him a refuge. Now, trusting God doesn't look like submitting your life to a powerful warlord or a dictator. God isn't a cold, distant figure who wants to program your life like a robot. Actually, David says that we can pour out our heart to him, like a child can to a parent. To trust God, we need to actually relinquish our grip on our own lives and hand control over to him. Do you find it hard to let go of control in your life? I feel like letting go of control is a little bit like flying in a plane. Now, I like going on holidays to faraway places, but I do not like flying. I don't like to, to get to those faraway places, I have to jump in a plane, and Liz can vouch for this on our honeymoon. <laughs> it really makes me anxious getting on a plane when I feel those jets throw me back in the seat as we take off. Because I've got zero control over where I go, I just have to sit back and I've got to trust that the pilot knows what he's doing. I find that so difficult. But since I know nothing about flying a plane, I know that it's better in the long run that the pilot is in control for my own good. And for our own good, it's better that we hand control of our lives over to God. We can trust Him as our refuge. Now, trusting in God looks like having an active relationship with Him. God is a relational God. And like any relationship, there needs to be open communication. The Bible is how God speaks to us, and prayer is how we talk to God. And the Psalms are a timeless example of prayer. From the depths of despair and anguish to unbridled joy and praise and everything in between, the Psalms show us how to pour out our hearts before God. Pouring out our hearts before God demonstrates our trust in Him 
And using, the, uh, using Scripture like the Psalms as a model for our prayers brings our prayers into line with His will. Do you ever find yourself needing inspiration in your prayers? Are you ever unsure what to pray? Why not try reading a psalm each day? When the E13 Gap Year program goes to Fiji on mission for a month, they get their students to read through a few psalms each day and by the end of the month, they've read all 150 psalms. And I know for myself, that month was the richest that my prayer life has ever been because each day I was shown an example of how to pray. So if you want to improve your prayer life, why not try reading a psalm a day? The next verse of the psalm is about a very different source of security and hope. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. That paints a pretty grim picture for those who put their hope in the things of this world. Compared to God, the sum of all of humanity's power is lighter than a breath of air. There's no weight behind it. It's just a facade. Like a puff of wind, human power and indeed human life is temporary. And you would think that COVID was the most stunning way to show our lack of control in this world, right? Sadly, our world has just brushed that lesson off as we try and get back to normal. But the truth is that human power is temporary. Human power is temporary, but God's power transcends time. Are you starting to get the idea that maybe it's a wise move to live for God and not yourself? Have a listen to verse 10. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the centre of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I was kind of struck by this verse. It almost sounds like it's right out of the book of Proverbs because it's an instruction on how to live wisely. Don't extort or steal. Don't live for wealth. They're worthless things to take refuge in. We also can't hedge our bets. We can't half trust in wealth and half trust in God. We can't have our hope in God and wealth or God and other people or God and anything. God alone is our refuge. There's no need for anything else. God alone is our refuge. David's warning couldn't be clearer. Do not make wealth or human power the centre of your life. It's like chasing after the wind. It's foolish. Come to God on His terms Make him the centre of your life and you'll find true refuge. Make God the centre of your life. And we can be sure that this is the only right way to live because God has spoken plainly and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Power belongs to God. And unfailing love belongs to him as well. And David is confident in that power and that love. And in verse 12, he's equally confident in his justice. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people 
according to what they have done. And it's right for us to want justice too. God's justice is a good thing. Justice would look like God repaying all people according to what they had done. But if God repaid us all according to what we do, all of us in this room would be in a lot of trouble. Because we have all done and we all continue to do countless things that deserve God's judgment. And so David was no different from us, he needed mercy as well. In fact, Psalm 51 is all about David's cry for mercy after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered. David recognised his sin. He knew he needed to turn away from his sin and turn towards God as that was his only way to salvation. And it's the same for us today. Turning to God is the only way to salvation. David had real hope in God as his salvation, even though he lived a thousand years before Jesus. A thousand years before Jesus died on the cross, taking the sin of the whole world on his shoulders. And we live 2,000 years after Jesus died on the cross. So if anything, we can actually have more confidence in our salvation than David could. Because his death has already saved us if we trust in him. And the Apostle Paul, writing from a prison cell a couple of decades after the death of Jesus, expresses a similar sure hope and confidence in Jesus for salvation. It's almost like Paul had Psalm 62 open in front of him as he penned these words in Romans 8, 35 to 39. Have a a look and see if you can spot some similarities. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So like David, things weren't all that great for Paul, He was in prison and he was eventually executed for his faith. So many enemies against one man. And yet Paul was confident of victory through Christ. Paul is utterly convinced that Jesus has had the final word in our salvation. And so he goes on. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're a Christian, that's the best news ever because God is still our refuge today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, ask yourself why not? What could possibly be better than having that certainty of eternal life? Rejecting Jesus means that God will repay you according to what you have done and that won't end well. Realise your need for Jesus and put your trust in Him.
So, how do you feel about the uncertainty in our world? If you look at the news just from the last week, it'll be pretty easy to get depressed. House prices, inflation, monkeypox, power shortages, the list goes on. And you think in 2022, we might be powerful enough to have some level of certainty in our world. But I think the proof is in the pudding. That's just not true. We just can't control our world. But there is one who can, and he does. Jesus provides absolute certainty in this world and the next. And the fact that nothing can separate us from his love is just extraordinary. And so as God's people, how are we to live in this uncertain world? Where do we find that real hope? Well, I think David sums it up pretty nicely in verse 8. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. That's real hope. 